Oh, you, it's good to see that you are awake this morning. I, I was going to say, uh, hopefully uh, you got your first or maybe your second bath on the way in as you were preparing today. Uh, we know that uh, if there's anything we're really excited about, it's the fact that we got another seven inches or whatever of rain. So uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful morning. I want to thank you guys so much for, for being uh, out today, for being out here, and uh, for making the time to be with us at Discover Church today. I just want to say welcome. If this is your very first time with us today, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for uh, being with us today. And uh, when you came in, I hope you received a worship guide, and on the inside of that, you'll find a little bit of information about Discover Church, and uh, if you haven't before, this is maybe your first time here, or maybe you've been here before and you've never taken the time, I just want to encourage you, inside that worship guide is a connection card, and we'd love for you to fill that out, and uh, we we basically will we'll make a, a no-hassle guarantee with you, I promise, we're not just going to unexpectedly show up at your house uh, later today, we're not going to hound you with phone calls or emails, it's basically a way for us just to reach out and find out how I, as the pastor, can serve you and how Discover Church, how maybe we could see about Discover Church being part of your family. So we just want to thank you. You can put that, if you fill out that connection card today, you can put it in the offering. And if this is your first time here, we have a gift on the way out that we'd love to give to you uh, at the entrance there. Well, we'd love to, to do that and make sure you spend some time before on the way out. Don't worry, it'll be, probably be raining when you're leaving, so don't worry about rushing right out the door. Uh, make sure you uh, welcome, uh, get the chance to welcome each other today. But today I am super excited because today uh, we're wrapping up the Song of Solomon series uh, today. And uh, if you've been with us the past couple weeks, you know that uh, the entire month we've been going through the Song of Solomon. And with the Song of Solomon, uh, basically taking a look at the relationship that's there. So if you don't know anything about the book, that's okay. Uh, I'll give you a quick recap, okay? The Song of Solomon, or some Bibles, it will be listed as the Song of Songs. It's basically a, a, a song or a poem that was written by Solomon. It had input from other people throughout it too as well that you can kind of see. We'll talk a little bit about that today too. And in this, it's, it's his most famous song that is in the scripture. In fact, Solomon wrote over a thousand, over a thousand uh, songs or, uh, or poems that you would find. And the song of Solomon can be a little tricky sometimes for people to understand because it's written basically like as an allegory. So there's a lot of pictures in it that, uh, that don't necessarily translate very well today. Uh, in fact, uh, I thought it would be a really fun time uh, for, for us to take a look. And, and so we've been talking about Scripture, obviously, through the Song of Solomon. And, you know, uh, we, we've heard the classic, uh, just the, the greatest pickup line ever written, that your hair is like a flock of goats, right? So, uh, so, so that is in the Scripture. Uh, but I thought that we would kind of take, if you'll allow me, okay, if you're going to allow me, I'd love, I thought this would be fun to take a little stab to see if we could kind of like make this, uh, make some of the scripture our own as far as like what would this look like if somebody from Sussex County wrote it, okay? All right, so I, I, want, I, want, to, I want you to hang with me, okay? Remember, this is the Sussex County version, okay? The, 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 SC, the SCU, the SCV, the Sussex County version of scripture here, and we're going to throw this out so you can follow along a little bit with me here. But we're, this is the Sussex County version of, of Song of Solomon chapter 4. I'm going to read it there. It says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are like the illuminated scratch-free screen of a new iPhone 10. 
right? Yeah, we can relate to that, can't we? Because, boy, you hate when that phone gets that scratch, don't you? See, it's, 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 it's relatable here. It says that your hair is like the waves that crash at the beach in Rehoboth. Uh, your teeth are as white as that gallon of milk we love from Lewis Dairy, and each has its twin, and none, none of them is missing. So you have all those teeth. They're all pretty, and they're white. It says that your lips are like the candied apples that we find at the state fair. How many of you love your candied apples when you get to go get those, right? You get your candied apples at the state fair, and your mouth is lovely. And my one of my favorites here is that your temple uh, behind uh, your veil are like two thick-cut pieces of raffle scrapple. I'm making somebody hungry because you didn't get a chance to eat breakfast this morning. It says your neck is like the beautifully carved totem pole that we find in Bethany, intricately designed and more elaborate than the next. Your breasts are like the two donuts from Krispy Kreme that are perfectly glazed and warm when the lights are on. And I, can somebody say amen to the Krispy Kreme light, warm light being on. In verse 6, it says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of Anna and Alex and to the hill of essential oils. Yes, some of you are uh, all about the essential oils we know. We thought we'd have fun with that there, but uh, uh, we've been taking a look here about the Song of Solomon, and the Song of Solomon is basically a love story between two people, and they're, they're, like I said, there's input, they have friends that kind of chime in from time to time uh, to encourage them and to just to, to love on them as they grow, and we've seen throughout the entire uh, series here from week one, we talked about attraction, and, and not just physical attraction, but about how uh, attraction is more deeper than that, than just the surface of the physical. We've talked in week two about dating and intimacy and about how this uh, does a really good job as far as scripture about laying that out for us so that we can understand that that uh, there are practical things, there are seasons and times for each of us. Not only that, but even in the intimacy, that is something that God created that is wonderful, it's beautiful. And uh, today, uh, or and last week, we actually spent some time talking about, because we got to experience this couple's first fight as a, as a couple. And we see that Solomon, last week, he punched a hole through the door, and it started a, a, a whole ruckus between him and, and his lady. And, and they ended up being able to forgive and go through that that whole process and come together. And today we're going to wrap it up uh, with uh, with the, uh, what we're going to call lasting love and how these two this this couple here how they found lasting love. And uh, if I, I could just if you'd allow me really quickly, I want to read the Song of Solomon, kind of our verse that kind of has has kind of uh, guided us through. And this comes out of chapter one, verses one through three, and it says this. It says, Solomon's Song of Songs, it says, let him kiss me. This is her talking. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. It says, for your love is more delightful than wine. She says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume being poured out. It says, no wonder other maidens love you. And really what is saying again here in this scripture is she says, listen, you love better than anyone that I know. You love the way you love me, the way you love the kids, the way you love the people you work with, the, the passion and desire that you have in what you do is so amazing. You know, when she's talking about her per, the perfume when he comes in, she says, listen, when you walk into the room, you sweeten the room, you make the room smell better, it, everything's better because you're there. And she says, I know that other women want you, but I will snatch somebody's hair right out right now because you are my man. <laughs> 
and we're not playing that game. So she goes through and she lays all this out. She lays all this out for him. And, and, and again, as we go through the chapters here, now we're going to, if you want to have your Bible open or uh, if you have your version app on your phone, we're going to be around uh, starting in chapter 7 today, kind of working through chapter 7 and 8 in the Song of Solomon, if you want to follow along with us. But we find that uh, he speaks here towards the end, and, and, and they're, they're getting a little bit older now. They, they've been together for a while, and, and, and he lays some things out for her, and, and I think this is really great the way he does this. But this is Solomon speaking in uh, chapter 7, verse 1. He says, how beautiful are your sandaled feet. Now listen, I don't know if you guys are like me, okay, but I am not a feet person, okay. I don't mind my feet. They're attached to me. I don't want to touch your feet, okay. Uh, my wife's feet, I'll touch if I have to, but I'm not a feet person. I'm not like that guy that's going to be like, oh, just let me rub your feet, you know. No, because why? Because what? what is this saying here? Her sandaled feet. Now, you might recognize what that sandaled feet portion is, don't you? Because in the summertime, when all you ladies, you like to wear your flip-flops, right, and you like to be walking around barefooted, and your feet turn to sandpaper okay just let's call it what it is it, that's what it is L guys you know what I'm talking about because when you're in bed and you get like that little foot like brushed up against you like it cuts your leg open you know what I mean because their feet are so so rough here but I think it's amazing right that Solomon Solomon is so he loves her so much he puts up with her feet uh, he appreciates her and he continues on he says oh prince uh, prince's daughter he says your graceful legs are like jewels uh, the work of an artist's hand and what he's saying here you might not understand what he's talking about when he's talking about her, uh, why why is he referencing her legs because remember uh, this is not in today's right where we wear our short shorts who wears short shorts not me but it, this is not like today, right? They, they, they are always dressed. Uh, They're always, you know, dressed modestly as far as dresses and, and, and robes and the way that they attire. So what he's saying here is when he talks about her graceful, her graceful legs, he's really referencing the fact that he sees the parts of her that no one else gets to see. He, he's excited about the fact that he gets to experience the things that nobody else gets to experience with her because of the way that she loves him. And this is where maybe you've only been married a short time, maybe you've been married a long time, maybe you're not married right now at all, maybe you've been in a relationship though, and, and you can appreciate the fact that over time, the way that you see one another and the way that you love somebody changes. That you can see this even if you've never been married before, right? In the way that you, your parents, the, the, the appreciation and the love that you have for your parents or for those, you're maybe a brother or a sister, right? It changes over time how you see someone. And one of the things that happens here that I, I, I kind of love is this kind of kind of was able to draw me back and for me to uh, imagine that uh, my wife, Miss Amy, she's uh, put up with my nonsense for 15 years now. And out of the 15 years that, it's amazing for me to think about how uh, our relationship and, and the love that I have for her has changed so very much over those 15 years. You know, we got to experience the honeymoon phase, and we got we got to experience uh, the kids keeping you up at all hours of the night. Can I get an amen? Can I, uh, we we've experienced the diapers, and we've got, we've gone through all of that. And for me to see 
the way that uh, she has continued to love me and loves me uh, more and more and the way she serves me more and more and hopefully the way that she feels that I do that for her and for our kids. I love the fact that this kind of draws us to what we get into when we get into this lasting love and we can understand that the, 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 the raw hot fire of the honeymoon phase that you might experience at the very beginning, don't necessarily expect that to be the exact same thing all the way through. You have to work on that to make sure that happens, but it, it, the way we realize and relate and connect to each other changes over time. He continues on uh, here in chapter 7, verse 11, and, and this is what I know some of you are excited to do every once in a while, because he says, come my beloved, let us go to the countryside. So he wants to take a trip. He says, let us spend the night in the village and let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded. And, and this is it, meaning here that it, this is winter into spring. And, and the, the picture that is getting painted here is to say that, guess what? We've been together for a while, and even though we've been together for a while, guess what? We still have some passion coming because we're waiting for things to, to bud and bloom, and we're still looking forward to the future of what, what the future holds for us. He says, in uh, the, uh, the blossoms have opened, it says, and if the pomegranates are in bloom, it says, there I will give you my love. And he's just laying out here that says, guess what? We're not going to just put our relationship on autopilot. We're not just going to allow things to just kind of coast and set. And, and I want to let you know, again, uh, this is obviously for married couples, but even if you're not married, this is important for you to understand that the relationships that we have, that we want to be important to us, the relationships that we want to last, right, that our, our family relationships, the people that we love, close friends that we have, guess what it does? You have to put time and work and effort into that. It, 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 you have to put something in if you want to get something out. Just autopilot and coast, coasting into this isn't going to work. It's not going to last. And this also kind of gets me to a point that, you know, we've made it uh, almost to the end here of this, uh, of this book as we've gone through from week to week now. Uh, and I want to draw your attention to something that I, I heard another pastor talk about, and I thought this was really great because it was kind of like a little light bulb went off in my head when I heard this. And that was this. That you can read the Song of Solomon from front to back, right? And you know what no one complains about or no one really draws any attention to in this entire uh, eight-chapter book in the Bible that is all about love and romance and the relationships that we have with one another? Two things that aren't in here are kids and jobs, right? Isn't that amazing? Like how much time do we as, as, as individuals devote to uh, complaining about our jobs or having to deal with kids and we make sure we run our kids all over creation to get all, all into the things they want to be part of. But these are two things that you find not there. Why? Because basically this book is laid out as a blueprint for what lasting love will be like. And, and for some of us, uh, we, we put other things kind of in front of that, and we're going to kind of see as we get into this today, uh, and I'm going to continue on here in chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Now, we have friends, and, and we've had a couple different friends over the past couple weeks as we've been reading that have chimed in, and we don't really know all of who all the friends are, right? We know we've had some, some of her girlfriends, some people that are standing with her, supporting her and lifting her up, but we're going to continue on here and find we got some more friends that are chiming into this relationship. And it says this in ch uh, chapter 8, verse 5. It says, who is this coming up 
from the wilderness, leaning on uh, her beloved. And then she says, she says this. She says that under the apple tree I aroused you. It says there your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave birth to you. And one of the things that she points out here is she says, listen, and I am so glad that your parents had you. I am so glad that you were born because guess what? You were really born for me and I was for you here. And she just wants to point that out to him. And they continue, it says, place me like a seal. And a seal would basically be like ownership over your heart. So that basically I belong to you and you belong to me. And this is like a seal on your arm for your love is as strong as death. And it says its jealousy is unyielding as the grave. It's like uh, burns, like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And it's funny here where it talks about that love is as strong as death. This is actually the portion of scripture that many of you, when you stood at an altar or at the justice of the peace or wherever it happened that you got married at, and, and you basically had the till death do us part, right? This is where this comes from. She's basically saying here that guess what? Death is going to be the only thing that is going to separate us because we are together and that hell itself could not even come between us. So I want to give you a couple points here real quick today talking about lasting love. And remember, this is not a sp uh, specifically meant for marriages, okay? Yeah, th this obviously is really good practical advice for marriages, but this is also a little bit deeper than that as far as the relationships that we cultivate and we, we have among friends and family. How can we really find the lasting love that we're looking for? And I want to give you a couple of points, and the first one is this, is lasting love is permanent. Lasting love is permanence, if you're taking notes. Now, the second part to this, I want to uh, kind of interject here, and I want to let you know, because some people already, when we talk about, like, lasting love and permanence, and, and you, already, you already feel so discouraged right now, because you've realized that in, you, you, maybe you've experienced divorce, or you've experienced broken relationships, or maybe you have relationships even with your family members that aren't, aren't very good, and you say, why, did, why does this feel so bad? Listen, I, I want to let you know, you can't do anything about the past. Okay, the past is the past. You can't change that. You don't have your DeLorean, right? You don't get to go back in, back in time and, and, and be able to make any changes or adjustments to the things that you've walked through. But here's what you can do. First off, you, 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 can get, a, 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 you can experience forgiveness for any guilt or grief that you feel over from any of that stuff in the past. That's one of the things that I love about God. He makes all things new. But the second part is, is that is you yourself have to make the choice to leave it in the past. You have to make the conscious decision to say that when all those feelings of anxiety and regret and all the things that you wish you hadn't done and all that stuff starts to creep into your mind as it does over time, guess what? You have to remind yourself continuously that guess what? That is in the past. I can't change the past, but I, I can change what happens from today forward. I can make today, the way we go forward, a better, uh, uh, to, to be better and to follow after the love that Christ has called for each and every one of us. And so as we look through this, as we look through this, uh, it says in Psalms, uh, Song of Solomon 8-7, he says this. It says, many waters cannot quench love. It says, 
no matter what comes against us, okay, no matter what comes, no matter how high the tide comes or how bad the, the, the raging waters come, guess what? Nothing is going to change. He says the rivers cannot wash away. It says that if one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. No amount of money could separate us. You can come to me today and you could offer me $10,000 for Miss Amy. And I can tell you that, guess what? For $10,000, no way. It's no, if it's just deal or, do, deal or no deal, no deal. Okay, no deal. Now, you could come up to me and you say, I'll offer you $10 billion for Miss Amy. And I'd have to think about it for a second. No, I wouldn't. She's not in here. Don't tell her I said that, okay? She's teaching in the back for DC Kids, okay? So, no, no, listen, no amount of money, though, no amount of money is going to separate me from the ones that I love. The second one is this, is love, lasting love is, pers is persevering. It, lasting love is persevering. Listen, the commitment that we make to one another to love, do we need that commitment when we're happy? We don't need it when we're happy. You know why we don't need commitment when we're happy? Because everything's good. It's not hard. Commitment, the, the actual commitment that we have to experience with one another, that actually comes when we're unhappy, when things get tough, when kids get sick, and there's bad stuff happening, and the bills start coming in. That's when we got to make the choice where we're going to buckle down and stick it out. You know, we got to make sure, again, as it talks about in the Song of Solomon, the two things that aren't mentioned really in this book at all are jobs and kids. You know why it's so critical that we don't make those two things happen? Because if you make your job about everything that you are and you put all your eggs in that basket and you put that as your purpose, guess what's going to happen in a couple of years? You're going to retire. You're going to you, maybe you get laid off. You have to go find a new position. Or, or what happens? You retire. You age out. You get ready to, to be done. And then guess what? What happens? You have to realize you have to come home and face the person that you haven't really had a relationship with for years because you put all your eggs in that basket. Your kids can, we can do this the same thing with kids, where we put all our eggs in our baskets for our kids, and we want our kids to be everything that they can be, because we know that our kid is the next superstar, or they're the next president, or they're the next whatever it is. They're, they're the, next, the, the next thing, right? And so we put our kids, and we run them all over creation, and we put them in every club and association that we run ourselves ragged to do that, right? And then guess what happens to your kids? They move out. Praise Jesus, they move out. I didn't say, okay, my, my son's still here. Son, I love you. You can stay as long as you want till you're 18, okay? So, <laughs> but we find this, right? We find that kids, they grow up, and then we probably have experienced this, right? Whether you've seen it on a movie or you've experienced it in real life where, where maybe somebody close to you, the kids are done, they've moved out, and then all of a sudden the husband and the wife, they look at each other and say, well, who are you? Who are you? What happened? we got to make sure that the, the love that we have is persevering and that we can keep the fire burning. In the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 8, as we finish up here, 8 and 9, he says this, and this is, we find some friends are talking here. And part of the friends, this is kind of another revelation we see, that uh, the friends are actually her brothers. And it says, we have a little sister and her breasts are not yet grown. Uh, and, and it says this, it says, what shall we do for our oldest sister on the day she is spoken for? On the day of her wedding, what do we do? How are we going to treat this? And it says this, they make the decision as the brothers, as her family. They say, if she's like a wall, 
Okay, if she makes good decisions, she guards herself. We will build a tower of silver around her. And the silver represents gifts here. So that, listen, if she takes care of herself, we're going to protect her and take care of her. We're going to love on her and give her gifts and sow into her life and just honor her for everything that she's done. But if she's like an open door, then guess what? We're going to be like panels of cedar. We're going to be closed off to her here. It says that... They're basically trying to say, hey, listen, because you are as honorable as you were because of all the things that you've done, you have the character that you have, we're going to love you and cherish you. And and so many of us have want that and we want to experience that. Uh, I can tell you right now, it's easy to do when everything's going good, but sometimes you have to persevere when that doesn't happen, when that doesn't happen. And listen, if if today you're saying, well, look, you're talking a lot about like family and support, and, and I don't feel like I have that. Well, I want to let you know, Discover Church, we want to be that passionately for you. Uh, this morning, I, I woke up early as I was getting ready to think about today and I was planning for today, and I, I just couldn't help but feel a sense of joy because I, I consider you my family, you're my people, you're, you're my group, you're my tribe, and, and as we get to do life together, I want to let you know that I, I will be here for you, and I hope that you will be there for me and my family as we continue to grow because we as a family, we persevere for each other through that lasting love. And the third thing that we see that the brothers did here, and this is what we also want to provide for you, is this, is that lasting love is protective. Lasting love is protective. How many of you have ever had, uh, gentlemen, you ever had a girlfriend, wife, uh, or maybe even like your mom or something like that that's running late, that didn't show up to somewhere where they were supposed to? Uh, around me, the, I, I get a little bit nervous like that. I start sending out text messages like, are you dead? Are you in a ditch? Have you, like, where are you? And, and you know, it's typically she gets stuck talking to somebody and it takes longer than she thought. Uh, but but I, it's protective, right? I'm protective over, uh, over my people that I love. I'm protective over them. And, and she says here in verse 10, she says, I'm like a wall and my breasts are like towers. And she's older, she's matured, and she says, I uh, I have become, in his eyes, the one bringing contentment. And really, the contentment here isn't actually really the the best word in English. Because what she says is, because I've guarded myself, I took care of myself, I know how confident I am in who I am, I not necessarily bring contentment. Contentment, the word you could change there, and you could insert peace. She says, basically, because... Uh, because uh, of the blessings that I've had in my life, I'm able to bring peace to the relationship. And that is the very last point today, is that lasting love is peaceful. Now, does that mean that when you have people you love, do you have less problems? No, you don't have less problems, right? But what I can equate to you is this, is that when you gather yourself with people that you love, when you have built up relationships with people that you that you passionately love and that you you comfort that they're part of your tribe they're your people you stick up for one another you persevere together uh, with one another that you will experience a sense of peace because you realize that guess what you are not in the situation alone and I love this in closing at the, the last couple of verses in the Song of Solomon we kind of get a little glimpse behind at the end of the story here how the whole story came together, how God ordained the whole thing together. And we find this in verse 11. It said that Solomon had a vineyard. And maybe if you've been here with us every single week, you realize that his wife 
she starts talking in the very beginning of the book of Solomon about how dark she was. Why? Because she had to go work in a vineyard and she was kind of uh, uh, harboring some bad feelings against her brothers because her brothers made her go out there and do this hard labor and she was really upset about it. But we find that Solomon had a vineyard. Who would have thought? Solomon had a vineyard and uh, in Baal Harmon and, and it says he lent out his vineyard to the tenants. So we find that Solomon had this vineyard, the vineyard that she was working with, it was actually Solomon's vineyard, and he rented it to her brothers, and her brothers put her out there to help work to take care of it. And because of all of those things, because of how the story laid out, because of what she thought in the very beginning was something that was a negative aspect in her life, turned out to be the exact reason that she met the person that she fell in love with. Sometimes I want you, want you to know that through the pain and the heartache, through the worst things that you go through, through some of the trials and tribulations that you don't understand what the point and purpose is, you're going to find that you're going to have a beautiful relationship that, that can blossom out of that. You can find yourself saying, no, but I've done all this work and I, I've got into the mud and I, I had to do all this. It was so horrible. We had all these bad things happen. And hindsight, when you look down the road, you can look back and you can trace because these things happened. You got to experience this person. You got to have this family and you connect with this family. You got to connect with all these different people and allow all this. She continues to spend the rest of the last couple of verses here talking about how when Solomon rented uh, the land uh, out, he got so much money for it. And when she comes into it, she says, well, guess what? That money is nothing because you can have, Solomon can have 7,000 pieces of silver and my brothers can have 1,000 pieces of silver because guess what? I will give you anything you want by now because I am so, so thankful because of the relationships that I had have led me to this very place. And in, in the very last one, I, I just want to read this because uh, I, I know that you are excited anytime we do this. It says in the last verse there, it says, you who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants. It says, let me hear your voice. And he says, come away with me, my beloved. And he says, like a gazelle, because boy, we know they love gazelles in the, in the, in the Song of Solomon. I, we've, we've, we've seen uh, like 35 gazelles already in just in this short book. It says, like a young stag on a spice-laden mountains. It's, he, she is getting his attention, and we find that their love perseveres, and it, and it thrives, and it continues to press on beyond all things. I just want to let you know as we get ready to close today that, that when we talk about this series, this relationship series, and I know a, a lot of this is focused at married couples, but it's really relatable for more than that. Because really when I think it boils down to what this whole book is telling us, it's telling us that, that love is a choice that we make every single day. It's a choice that we make every single day. I want to let you know, I had, to, uh, I had a meeting in Baltimore yesterday. Uh, I spent more time driving for that meeting than I did in the meeting. You know, one of those kind of days, and you get home, and I know we're getting home. we got to pack, make sure we're ready for church. And, uh, uh, and then me and Amy, we had like that brief moment where uh, I, I don't even remember. If it was probably me. I'll, I'll take blame for it, okay? Well, I said something kind of not somewhat smart, you know what I mean? Not really smart, but a little bit. And then she said something else that was kind of smart. It's kind of like one of those ones where you're just like, well, I'll just get in the car and go back to Baltimore, right? You make the choice, right? You, you make the choice. And, and guess what? Here's the question, though, is when those moments arise in your life, do you, do you allow it to fester and to start something, or do you make the choice to love? Because love is a choice that we make every single day. 
Colossians 3.14, if you would, would you stand with me and the worship team come out? Colossians 3.14 says this. It says, and over all the virtues to put on love, because what? That's what binds them all together in perfect unity. It's what binds us together. Being loved gives us the capacity to love others. And you say, well, listen, I don't really know that I have the capacity because you don't understand, Pastor Curtis, some of the people that I have to deal with on a given week are just impossible, right? They're, they're impossible to deal with. We've all had those impossible people to deal with. But I just want to let you know this. It says this in 1 John 4.19, and allow this to sink in if you would. It says that we love, me and you, we're supposed to love. Why? Because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And so when you don't think that you have the capacity to do it, when you think that because somebody has done something so bad to you that there's just no way that you can see yourself loving them, I just want to let you know that guess what? We can love because he first loved us. Because the fact that there was a man named Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago that decided to take on all the mistakes that I've made. And man, I've made a mountain of mistakes. I've made a mountain of problems in my life. I, I've done some really stupid stuff. But you know what? I can love other people because he was willing to take all of that stuff and say, you know what? I got it. I still love you. I still love you through all of it. I still love you through every single step of the way. Today, we're going to get ready to receive communion together. And uh, I want to ask you, if, if you did not receive communion, maybe on your way in, uh, if we missed you by chance, if you just want to slip your hands up, we have some folks in the back that are going to help get that to you. I was going to say, if you do have it, I want to actually ask if we would do something a little different. We've done this before. It's been a little bit. I, I want to actually invite you all to come down here uh, to, to the front, to the altar area, uh, with your communion cup, if you would. One of the things that, uh, that I said in week one to this series, and I think it's so, it's so relevant, is that we come to love not by finding the perfect person. Some of us, we set out on a, on a task or a goal. Maybe you're still on this task to find the perfect person to love. I just want to let you know, you're never going to find the perfect person to love. But what I've found is that our task there is, is to not to find the perfect person to love, but for us to learn to love an imperfect person perfectly. It takes talent. It takes time. It's not anything that happens immediately. Listen, uh, there, there, there is times when I deal with some really pain in the butt people. You experience that in life, don't you? You experience these people where you just were like, I just, if I was allowed to wring your neck right now, I would do it. But here's the thing. He loved us so that we get the opportunity to love others. And so today I thought it was just so, so smart and so, so wise for us at the end of this song, talking about lasting love, talking about a love that is 
like no others, talking about a relationship that is like no others in the history. And that is the relationship that each of us get to have with Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to let you know that as we get ready to close today, as we're getting ready to wrap up, if you've not taken the opportunity to really pray that prayer and allow Jesus to come and speak to your life, to speak to your heart, I just want to let you know today is, is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for you to do that. In fact, that's really the only thing in Scripture that it says is any sort of prerequisite to, to taking communion. Anybody can take communion. The only goal is, is that you're supposed to have a relationship with Jesus Christ when you do so. And all that is is it's a simple prayer. It's a simple opportunity for you to say, guess what, God? I am so sorry for what I've done, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior, and I want to live like you. So if we can, let's take a moment here and allow God and allow the Holy Spirit to search our heart. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today and say, Father God, Lord, if there's anything in my life, Father God, that I need to confess, if there's anything in my life, Lord, Lord, I ask that you speak to me right now, reveal it to me. And listen, you're going to get maybe flashes of stuff that is going to pop into your mind. You're going to think of some things. And when you do, that's okay. Just say, God, I know you can forgive me. Forgive me of all that. Forgive me of that past. Lord God, forgive me of all of my sins and my mistakes for all the times when I let you down, for all the times that I did not love as perfectly as I should have. Father God, forgive me of that. Forgive me my my attitude and my anger for my hostility towards others, Father God. Allow us, Father God, as your sons and your daughters, as your family, Father, to live like you. Lord, we just want to thank you. We give you the praise. Jesus name if you never received communion before it's it's a really simple thing here but if you take the top and you open that top off you're going to see that you have a wafer here and this wafer I, I know it doesn't look like much when it comes out of that little cup there but this wafer is so important because if you read the scripture when Jesus sat down with his disciples towards the end of his life he sat down and he had some bread and that's what this represents this represents that bread And he broke it because he said, this is my body that is going to be broken for you and for me. It's going to be laid down for you and for me, for all of our sins, all the things that we've ever done. And so that when you get together, when my family comes together, when we get together to celebrate, and we get to celebrate the love that he's done in each and every one of us, he says, you're going to take this bread and you're going to eat it in remembrance of me. So we're going to do that today as a family. If you want, you can take that wafer there. You can break that in half. And we're going to receive today and just take the opportunity to give him thanks. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for that wafer, Father God, that represents your body that was broken for each and every one of us. Father God, we thank you that you laid down your life for me. That you laid down your life for these people that I'm gathered with, my family, my my Discover Church family, that you sacrificed in that way. Lord, we thank you. We give you the praise today as we take that cup and we peel that film back. Now, this is just grape juice. There's nothing special to it. It's not like some sort of magic liquid in a cup. But what he did is when he sat down, when he was sitting with his disciples and he had that bread and they ate that, then he, and then he took his cup. And in his cup, he had a little bit of wine. And in that, in that cup, he says, listen, I need you to understand that this is representing of my blood. And the reason that this is so important is because it is, in fact, when you read 
the Old Testament and even through the New Testament, we find that God, in order for the forgiveness of sin, that there has to be a sacrifice. Something has to happen. And Jesus said that he was willing to do that through the shedding of his blood, which is what this represents. So today, as we receive this cup, as we receive this, and just take the opportunity and give him thanks today for the fact that he has forgiven you of all your sins. He's forgiven me as we celebrate together his forgiveness through his blood. You can receive. Father, we thank you right now, Lord God, for that. Lord, I, I just want to thank you, Lord God, in the way that you've moved in your people, the way that you move in your family this morning, Father God, for the forgiveness of our sins, Father God, that you have taken, that you love each and every one of us, and you've called us your sons and your daughters, even when we didn't deserve it, Father. Lord, that you continue to love us and, and to continue to call to us. I just want to invite you, uh, don't feel uh, like you like you have to leave this place, because I, I want to try to create, if we can, an environment where we as a family can just take the time here at the end. I know we're, we're pushing a little bit later today, but as we, we get ready to take this time to, to just show God a little bit of love for all that he's done in our lives, for all that he has done, for all that he's going to do, for the fact that he has blessed each and every one of us so incredibly much. Would we take a few moments here at the end of today's service and can we just spend some moment here in, in praise and, and allow him to speak to each and every one of us. Let's worship together. Jesus, you're the lover of my soul. Jesus. 
closest friend and I will worship you until the very end. So I love you and I love you. I need you. I need you, Lord. And though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. And my Savior, my closest friend, I will worship you until the very end. Father God, Lord, we just want to thank you that you are a, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Father God, that you are there with us each and every step that we take. Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy today. And we just pray that you would continue to be with us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Before you're back to your seats, I want to encourage you to give somebody a hug or a high five or something. Let them know you love them. Turn around and let them know, say, I am so happy that you were here with me today. And then if you would, we're going to receive offering here at the very end and we are going to wrap it up. Welcome to Discover Church in Georgetown, Delaware. You're listening to week four of our Song of Solomon series with Pastor Curtis Jones. To hear more messages or to find out more about us, be sure to check us out at discoverchurch.cc.